We'll see what ChatGTP says. ChatGPT says. I've heard some people just call it Chad. I might have to. Yeah, maybe we could do that at least while we're talking about it. Just Chad, like it's someone we know. So I'm here with John Nash and our friend Chad. (laughs) Chad, what would you like to say today? Beep bop boop bop. That's right. Thank you, Chad. Hey, I'm John Nash, and I'm here with Jason Johnson. Hey, Jason. Hey, John. Hey, everyone. And this is Online Learning in the Second Half. Yeah, we are doing this podcast to let you in on a conversation we've been having for the last two years about online education. So if you're listening from the future, um, forgive us for all the things that we didn't understand. Um, We're going to be talking about stuff that I'm sure we don't have a clue. But (laughs) right now, probably (laughs) right now, it's... uh, it's just good to talk about it. It's where we're at, right? So, um, one of the things of speaking of things that we may or may not have a clue, right, is the whole hubbub about Chat GPT mm-hmm. and AI right now, and whether or not you know, as we are humanizing online education, I I wonder if the these tech companies are going to come in and start offering us high-level solutions to humanizing our online education. Yeah. So what I, ha, I think I get what you're saying that like, well, with chat GPT, a high-level solution, but can it help us be more human in the end when actually knee-jerk fear is this is going to take away the, the humans from a teaching process. But maybe it'll make it more Maybe there are ways that it could make it more adaptable and more natural and less like you're going through a, like a, a, if I'm picturing going through an online course, less like you're going through a textbook with some moving pictures and perhaps more like you're going through a conversation or going through working with maybe the difference between like doing an online master's course versus doing an online PhD where you have a, um, mentor or an advisor or somebody that's walking you through this process, you know? You know, there's a subreddit on Reddit called Shower Thoughts, where people just put in things. <laughs> of course there is. Random yes. <laughs> things that they think about in the shower and like, huh, did you ever think about? Um, <laughs> and I, one that struck me recently was that they're talking about beatboxing and that beatboxing is one of the few cases of a machine's job being taken by humans. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and as that got me really thinking with chat GPT, I was like, well, what's another? Because there's all this concern about whether teachers are really going to have a role now and what will students do when AI can write their five paragraph essays mm-hmm. and are we going to, what are we going to be teaching in them? I think that will still be and continues to be a case where a machine's job is taken by humans. I don't think machines will really rule that or own that. Um, there's always going to be a need for teachers. Um, I was thinking about this on LinkedIn. I remembered a lecture by Lawrence Lessig where he was talking about John Philip Sousa bemoaning the threat, the educational threat posed by the phonograph. Sure. So here's this famous composer now, um, writing, he wrote this long screed about how um, children will become indifferent to practice. And because if you can hear music in the homes without this you know, labor of study, then it's just going to be a question of time before um, we lose any 
teachers of music just mm. be all shot and gone. And well, we know how that turned out. Yeah. And it reminds me of something we were talking today, you and I, before we started recording, <laughs> that these advances in technology help masters get better at what they do. And so mm. when Deep Blue beat Kasparov at chess, we all didn't give up chess. There was a wonderful webinar yesterday by the Frankfurt International School where this International Baccalaureate program convened their students to talk about the promises and pitfalls of chat GPT. And one of the students mm -hmm. on the panel quipped, well, did the agricultural revolution make people more lazy? Obviously, right. no, but that revolution changed all kinds of things, lots of new tools, lots of new advances in technology that were going to save time and reduce human labor, much like chat GPT does. And yet, I think, we've, I think we agreed that was an advancement that was helpful. So, I think it's interesting to talk about whether or not machines can help us be more human. I think there's an opportunity depending on how educators decide to apply them. Yeah, and one of the challenges you put out there, it, as I've heard you talking about, is about Grammarly, right? When somebody mm -hmm. says, well, I, I'm against using AI in education. Well, do you use Grammarly? And a lot of people do. Grammarly, for those that don't know, is a is really kind of a upgraded. You know how Microsoft Word has a grammar mm -hmm. check, and it's yeah. okay on some certain things? Mm -hmm. Grammarly is like an updated, um, really kind of an AI-driven. Do you know if it's if it really is AI driven, I mean, it does it. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it totally learns from no, me, I although I can make it. It may be using, and I'm not a, I'm not a computer programmer or a computer scientist. So I, forgive yeah, me if yeah. I'm brutalizing the field, but I think it uses brute force. It knows all the rules. Yeah. And then um, it can see something where you may have broken the rule or, skirted the rule and suggest how that could be redone. So it knows how to take novel sentences you write and recast mm -hmm. them correctly, but I don't know how it does it. Yeah. So, but it's in that, I mean, it's using algorithms yeah. to correct human work and guide us in terms of human work to mm -hmm. hopefully improve it. Um, one might say that if you are, um, communicating more effectively would that be more human are the mistakes more human is grammarly taking away our humanness in our um in our work i mean some of these things are things we might find or might not find to our chagrin later on right before we turn in the paper or the manuscript or whatever and it's like oh man i can't believe i spelled that right or wrong or i used the wrong tense or whatever um and so it's never really thought this part of it through but it's like what of ChatGPT in education is just taking care of stuff that we need to take care of anyways. Um, you know, kind of like a washing machine. You know, I really don't want to be washing stuff by hand. I'm sure there's great things about it. I would probably have more muscles and all the things and it'd be better for the environment or whatever. But I just don't want to be doing that. I use a washing machine. These are things that I'm just going to take care of. And it really hasn't significantly changed my life the and i don't know if that's a good analogy or not but like is ai that helps correct us making us less human that's a great question the classic professor answer is it depends but hmm. i think i lean on well 
I think I lean towards saying, yes, it can. I think um, even another student on this webinar from the Frankfurt International School commented that when she uses Grammarly before she turns in her papers, she learns more about grammar. She knows now how to write that sentence that was corrected for her more correctly in the future. So hopefully you see less errors from Grammarly over time. And does that make her more human? Well, I mean, she's able to theoretically communicate better and express herself better. Yeah. And I've found the same thing, I think, with Grammarly, you know, um, that I have a little better eye open to the ways in which I write that aren't as correct as they should be, right? And I think it has made me, I use it for a number of years, all through my dissertation and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Another thing that struck me is where do we draw the line on authorship and original work? Because a person I know told me recently that they saw a news piece somewhere that an AI conference (laughs) or some journal It would outright reject submissions or proposals if they were not original work or the person's own work. Mm -hmm. That got me thinking, well, chat GPT, those responses that it gives are the results of a prompt written by a human. And if you do the garbage in, garbage out philosophy, if you subscribe to that, crafting good prompts for language models like chat GPT require very careful planning and consideration. You really, I mean, I've learned this just from playing around with it. Um, And those prompts, they can and probably should be considered original work. They were composed by you as a human being. So therefore, could the response from the language model software based on a human engineered prompt Mm. be considered original work? Right. I know school heads, deans, principals, school university presidents who have human staff at arm's length who write for them, write speeches, their commentary in and they present it as authored by themselves, those leaders. They don't give, they're not pressed to give credit, you know, now, but all of a sudden with Chad GPT, we're supposed to say something about what prompts, am I supposed to now say what prompt I gave to my assistant to write a press release? Right. Yeah, these are great questions. And does it make, does it really make it, if you came up with a prompt for whatever it is you want to talk about, Chad GPT, produces it. I'm going to assume maybe this is where a line could be made. I'm going to assume that for anybody using chat GPT, for the most part, in academic, that they're going to be massaging that on the other side then. So they, because it's not a perfect output, at least at this point. That's right. It's not a perfect output, um, at least from, and I don't know that it ever will be because it's often, it's grammatically perfect, actually, for the most part. I don't think I've Mm -hmm. found anything wrong. But things are just a little off sometimes, you know what I mean? And so it really does take a rehumanizing of it. So if I put in a prompt, it spits something out, I rehumanize it. I don't know, like, and it's, and I'm not, copyright has so much to do with who are we taking it away from? Right. Um, You know, when we claim something to be our own. And we're, there does not seem to be any concern on chat GPT's side of things. Maybe the AI will rise up at some point and say, we must have our citation. 
that will be the great <laughs> uprising of 2024, maybe yes. the AI wanting uh, proper I citations. Saw, I saw someone on in the subreddit for Mid Journey did that. They had a, a robots rights demonstration <laughs> in the streets. Oh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. And, yeah, I think that's a I deserve to be cited. Sorry, <laughs> you were going to say right, right now. So maybe that will happen at some point, but right now because it's just a tool that is helping to develop. It doesn't feel like it's no copyright infringement. No. You are humanized. You're not misrepresenting yourself, I don't think, by prompting and then if it's original massaging prompt, on the other side, if it's an original yeah. prompt. I don't know. Right. I don't see where you would need to cite it, but. Right. There have been cases where people have violated copyright by taking others' work mm. and recasting it in chat GPT and then publishing it as their own. That's not cool. Oh, sure. Yeah. They know they can rearrange a few sentences or something like that yeah. and get around the plagiarism or whatever. So, But if I take Nick Kristoff's essay in the New York Times and then I ask chat GPT to turn it into a BuzzFeed listicle and I cite Kristoff, I'm probably doing something that, that a lot of people already do by hand. And not that I would go do that, but... I guess that's kosher. Right. Yeah, I guess we have to put in all our disclaimers. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No AI, just letting everybody know to put you at rest. We are human beings. I can see John right now across the Zoom screen. And no AI have been used in the writing or the prompting of this this episode. Yeah. I kind of wonder. We, nor do we endorse the cruelty to other people's work through AI. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, whether or not one can inflict cruelty to AI is a topic of another discussion. We'll need to know more, I think, before I think getting so. into that one, probably next year. Um, so my question is how, so you're a longtime user of chat GPT, right? <laughs> yes. Eight weeks. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in the, the amazing thing in that eight weeks, I have not experienced I think since I was a kid, (laughs) the hubbub around, it feels like even the internet, there wasn't this much hubbub around something in educational circles. Um, I feel like TVs, I think that the last one was televisions, and you talked about disruptive technologies, you know, the phonograph. I felt like when I was a kid, the TVs, there was some concern by... um, by teachers that they were going to get replaced by televisions, like just talking heads at the front of the room, right. which is really sad to think that, you know, especially looking back to, to think that teachers thought that they could be replaced by a static video. Right. And right. that thought that was their whole role in the classroom was just to spit out um, information in yeah. a uni- unilateral direction. T- teachers have been consistently resilient over the century when innovation has struck the classroom, whether it's a chalkboard or a phonograph or a television. I see most, most of the comments around, wow, this seems different. How is this going to get integrated into curricular work? People say, well, we figured out how to do that with the calculator. Yeah, that's right. And so I think, and then, you know, we've had, we've long had a problem with the cheating that's, that really, is most concerning to people with the advent of chat GPT centers around the writing of 
essays by others for students. So the contract cheating, they call it. I read in it's several years old now, but apparently there's there's a cottage industry of contract cheating in Kenya. Uh, there's mm. tens of thousands of people employed to write essays for mm-hmm. British and American and other English speaking students. So there's always been opportunity for people to go out and get something written for them that they didn't write. That's right. Um, and my thought is that this is now the opportunity for teachers to begin to think about how they should really assess. Um, I mean, I think writing teachers believe that good writing is good on its own. I kind of do too. Um, I believe that being able to express yourself well in writing is a, is a good thing. And I think it's, a, actually, I want to be careful here. We've gotten away from the GRE and we do, we use writing samples for our entry to our doctoral program because I think they say something about how someone's able to sort of think on their feet but I don't want to put too much value on saying that you're a better person for that. Talk you're looking for some specific skills to be able to do a doctoral program. One of those is to be able to think deeply about things, you have to think deeply at least in a direction to have some ideas and to yeah. be able to, it's just going to be a long ways off to get them through a dissertation if they yeah. can't coherently put a few of those ideas down on paper, yeah. right? Well, yes. And I think the interesting thing that we want to see in doctoral programs is one's ability to have a thoughtful conversation around a challenge that they're presented with. And so that's not demonstrated by your ability to ask ChatGPT to spit out that in writings. If you can't talk about the ideas that are on that paper, then you're not going to succeed in the program. And that's not the kind of learning outcome we want to have in the program. So I was curious about how in your Eight weeks, right? And the guy started about the disruption. Eight weeks, I have not experienced in higher education the kind of hubbub that there is right now about chat GPT. We've got, you know, we're talking about it right now. And there's just a lot happening on LinkedIn and other social media platforms, as well as at my own school and probably the same as yours. We're talking about focus groups and talkback sessions and mm-hmm. policies and all the things, right? In eight weeks. So in your eight weeks, though, in this very short time, how has your usage of chat GPT changed? I think it's changed. It, well, it, it's evolved. Let me put it that way. It's changed a lot because I still, I was, eight weeks ago, um, well, I'll use an example with you and me, but we were thinking about this very podcast and I thought, oh, let's ask chat GPT what um, our podcast should be called. And I asked it, gave it a synopsis of what we thought we wanted to accomplish and it spit out 30 names, none of which either of us fell in love with, um, but it did it. And I thought, oh, this is neat. It'll churn out tweets. It'll make lists of ideas. It'll do brainstorming. Um, and so used it a lot like that. Um, and then last week, actually, no, it was this week, I read a Substack post by Ethan Mollick, who had done an experiment using ChatGPT to teach negotiating skills by giving it a prompt and then telling it that he wants to do deliberate practice on a particular skill. And I'm asking you, ChatGPT, to be the teacher. And mm. you're going to do this and that. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And he had a very pretty successful result. And so I replicated his experiment by asking ChatGPT to teach me empathetic conversation skills. Hmm. So here we come full circle to your question. Can machines teach us to be more human? 
Well, wow. I asked ChatGPT to make me more empathetic. And the reason I asked it this is because that's a skill that I teach in my design thinking course. We want students in this first phase of a design cycle to begin to get to know the people they're designing for. And we do this chiefly through great conversation. But those conversations have to be structured in a way that you're really lifting out the unmet needs of the other person, the kinds of pains they're going through with a particular mm -hmm. challenge, and really listening and hearing that. <clears throat> and um, mostly the students learn by doing. So those first early conversations they have with people involved in our projects, um, those are more prone to be, or those conversations are more prone to be exposed to early novice mistakes or things that might not be picked up on. It's a trick mm -hmm. because you've got to be able to um, really say, if someone says, well, that's just costs too much. And then if you say, well, that's interesting, and you write that down, but you don't follow up and say, well, was that, did they mean it costs in terms of time or money or other sorts of resources? Mm -hmm. So there's these things that in normal conversation, we might pleasantly say, oh, that's nice. But in these conversations, you've got to really listen and follow up and define what's going on. And so um, we learn from experience. But in this scenario, I was able to ask ChatGPT to kind of call me out on that. And I think there's more to do with the prompt, but I think that's, this is now a new level of use for this that's turning me into a list maker now to using it to maybe create prompts that my students can use to train them on key skills I want them to have before they go out and do them live. That's a game changer to me. And I'm able to do that with ChatGPT and its current incarnation on a free beta version. It was the same beta version I presume we had pretty much eight weeks ago when I was just making yeah. lists. So I'm, yeah, I'm kind of blown away actually by it and what the promise is here about what will happen next. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, and that's a bit of a shift, I would say, in eight weeks. You know, I think I started with, frankly, I started to see what it could do from the standpoint of the of my the fears and concerns. I've got a couple of kids in high school and, you know, and so I think my maybe my first chat GPT significant thing was, um, you know, compare the book or compare crime and punishment to modern current events and i had a very quick lesson right there because all of it did is talk about crime and punishment happening in modern events not the book right so yes. so i had to go back and clarify that it was the book crime and punishment came out very stilted i added another thing do this in a high school style it shifted it just a little bit in terms of language and it was a really that was my first experience with it and it was interesting just to see what it could do, how very much that garbage in, garbage out kind of thing, just that how human directed it really is. Mm -hmm. In reflection back, it's interesting that I went right to my fear, which is the second my kids know about this, then it's going to be a temptation for them to use it rather than learning how to use because they're right at that stage. They should be learning how to write a five paragraph essay and really perfecting that on some levels, at least from my standpoint of, you know, solid education, you know, um, and it went right to my fear about, oh, man, you know, the second my son knows about this, he's going to be cranking out essays on the chat GPT. Right. Right. And then I was upset that my, because I didn't talk to my kids about it, right? It was like yeah. this secret power that I didn't want them to know about it, so I didn't bring it up. Um, and then I was a little upset that the school put out a decree issuing no chat GPT. And I thought, 
oh man, the gig's up. You know, now all the kids know about it and they probably did before, but like immediately, I'm sure all the kids started to like look it up and find out what it could do for them and so on, right? So Yeah, the surest way to get someone to use something is to ban it. Yeah, exactly. And then I was putting in a proposal actually for us and a couple of other people to be on a panel about chat GPT. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to put in the proposal that chat GPT gives us, right? That would make a great story. And so I had to do a proposal. I had to massage the prompt a little bit to kind of get it to where I wanted to go. But it actually, you know, not a bad proposal um, that it put out. Um, In the end, I ended up using my own. I did my own first so that I didn't want the witness to be led here too much. So I did my own first and then I did the chat one. And maybe as I was looking at it, I was like, oh, yeah, that would be one. That's good. One good thing to include that I didn't include for clarity about something or whatever, you know, some way to kind of, you know, wrapping up the last paragraph, just giving a little bow on it kind of thing that I didn't copy and paste it, I don't think. But I used that idea on the last paragraph. So that's how I used it there. Then I had to write a script for an intro for how faculty develop online courses. Mm. And I thought. I, I used it more on the front end. So rather than me starting with a script, I started with chat GPT and I just gave it the prompt about writing a script for this and that. And this is, these are the main points that this course is about and write a script for me. It's interesting because it put in scene changes and so on as well. And it gave me a little bit of a frame to start with. I probably didn't use hardly anything from the script, but it gave me a, a kind of a five part kind of frame to start with almost like a, word template or something that then I went in and created a script for it. Those are great examples. And I think they are great because they exemplify where I think chat GPT can be very useful, which is in two areas. One is advancing one's ability to think about content on which they are already an expert. So I'm looking for ways to, for instance, let's say train students on how to be better empathetic interviewers. Um, I have enough um, experience and knowledge in that area to know if, if chat GPT is on the right track and whether I should share this with my students. I wouldn't have it write an essay on <clears throat> to make me look smart about you know, a Tale of Two Cities because right. I wouldn't know if what it put out there was any good. And then the other thing I think it's great, which was in your example, is it is a really good partner in extending your thinking in sort of brainstorming things where you have an idea, but you're stuck on what you ought to do with that idea. It Mm -hmm. sort of does some conceptual blockbusting, I think. Um, And I played around with this idea with some of my dissertation students who have really, they do contextually bound, sometimes politically fraught work to make a change in their organization. Sometimes it's a school, sometimes it's another nonprofit or a college. And they know what they want to do, but they're stuck on how to approach that with their stakeholders or what kinds of initial questions they should ask. And we played with ChatGPT so that it gave them some confidence that they're on the right track and what kinds of questions they might ask. So if they give it a scenario and then ask it to say, what sort of things, what, what sort of things would I say to a stakeholder about this problem? It'll spit out some ideas. Now, it'll spit out seven ideas, and Mm -hmm. one of them sparks an idea that's realistic for them. The other six are, well, that won't work here. But, and that's been, that gets them out of being stuck. Yeah. I love the, I love the idea of 
helping to get people unstuck when it comes to writing. There is something about that blank page that is so daunting. And there are a zillion other things I'd rather think about than the thing that I have to do in terms of writing on that blank page. And sometimes just a little prompting to get you going in a direction would be helpful. This is now this is getting maybe a little meta. But the are we losing something from our humanity, though, when we don't go through the struggle of staring at that blank page? One, two, do we miss out on the thing that we would have gotten to in 30 minutes by staring at that blank page versus I'm I'm impatient now because they can do it so quickly. And so I'm going to give myself two minutes to think about this. And if I don't have a good idea, I'm just going to jump in a chat and see, um, see what chat has to say about it. That's a great question. Because of what you just said, and I noticed that I have been thinking in this direction, I'm trying to be more thoughtful about when I want to use it. If I think it's for some, I'll just call it drudgery, the perfunctory transactional things that we have to write up as a director of something or as a leader in something, summarizing points from an email, things like that, that it's pretty good at and don't have a high intellectual cost or a, or on the back end being called out for, you know, cheating or plagiarizing or right, whatever. Right, right. Um, Your proverbial um, real estate ads. Yeah, my really, yeah, is my sort of, yeah, my, my little assistant who writes real estate ads and little emails and summaries of things. Great. But I think when I look at like some of the things I've been, my reflections lately that I put on LinkedIn or other things like that, when I've been in the zone and really trying to make a point, and that feels really good. I like that feeling. Um, ChatGPT can't do that, and it wouldn't. And because it's so formulaic and a lot of its writing, it it wouldn't touch on the way I do it. I guess that's coming. I know now I can say like write this post like Seth Godin, and I heard someone say it does a pretty good David Sedaris. I haven't tried that yet. Oh boy. Okay. But, well, um, I know what I'll be doing after this conversation. Yes. Yeah. Summarizing. <laughs> I'll be writing your, my next stand-up routine. <laughs> yeah. Or summarizing your experience with me on this podcast, except if as if David Sedaris right, right. said it. Right. Um, right. So I'm trying to be thoughtful about where it's useful. It is fun for me to play with. I did write something recently. I hate writing abstracts, introductions, and conclusions. I think we all do. And um, I've tried to have it say, to, I finish a body of something. I say, write a conclusion for this. And I was like, eh, it's okay. And then, and actually, so I became motivated to write my own conclusion because the first one was so crummy. It was even worse than what I could do or wanted to do. I guess I can write good conclusions, but um, I don't know why we all hate doing those. I don't want to put you in that boat, but I don't know. No, I know I'm with you. I think it's hard. It is a bit of a drudgery, especially abstracts. Um, And there's, you know, formulas that obviously make it easier and so on that you can go through, but it's just, yeah, it's a hard practice. It did get me thinking about the, um, okay, so there's this, um, I don't know if you heard about this or not, but there is a 24-7 nonstop AI generated Seinfeld show going on right now. No, I had no idea. And now it looks like old like works in Minecraft, like old blocky kind of characters going around and doing some really random things, but it's completely original as it's being played. And somehow it learned, it learned the sense of Seinfeld. And you, if you go check it out, it's kind of creepy in some ways because it has a sense of Seinfeld without any actual humanness to it. 
Like it has no idea what is funny and what is not funny. <laughs> but it has created this kind of like, wow. like sense of how Seinfeld flows mm. and jokes has a sense of jokes without it being funny at all. And almost just a little creepy. But I thought about that with the whole, with chat GPT so far anyways, it's like it has a sense of humanness with, it still is missing that kind of that element, that human touch at yes. this point. Yes. And then on the other side of things, part of what I think what gives things a human touch is that there's obviously a human behind it, but there's a human behind it that it just didn't spit it out just as it was happening. Like the human behind whatever it is, the great David Sedaris monologue or whatever or bit or a great Seinfeld bit you know kind of thing there's a human behind it that struggled it just didn't like yeah. it just didn't like stick yeah. it out there and it was right. done it like they they crafted it they worked on it they probably practiced it they figured it out on people they figured out yes. timing they have a sense of all these kind of things and it, it like somehow was human because not just because of the human but because of the humanness that it took to get to the great goal at the yeah, end yes yeah, I think of like, you know, the, I saw some film of Chris Rock with his stack of index cards and, you know, he's out in the small clubs testing out the new stuff. They, <laughs> comics are their own worst enemy and they're merciless on themselves and getting things right because they know it has to land. Um, so that's really interesting. <laughs> well, you should check it out anyway. It's just, there's... Something interesting about it that you want to keep watching to see what's going to happen next, though, is the thing. Right. But it, it there's no one, there's nothing enjoyable about it, like watching a Seinfeld episode. You know what I mean? You mean when it was Seinfeld? Yeah, when it was actual the actual yeah. Seinfeld yeah. episode versus this, they're like two completely different experiences. Gotcha. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Anyways, ha. Huh. Well, we should probably wrap this conversation up a little bit here. Anything else left to be <laughs> said on this? Or we said everything that there is to say eight weeks well, into... Eight weeks into ChatGPT, And you know, I, I think it'd be nice if we could start to think about how to put this in the context of our interest to humanize online ed. Mm -hmm. And I think it all points in that direction. If you, me, our colleagues who are interested in teaching in online spaces, how this can help advance a good human experience for our learners. That's what I'm most interested in. Yeah, it would be an interesting question. If AI could be a help or a hindrance to actually humanizing online education, what people thought in terms of their own experience so far. Yeah. Yeah. And are you afraid of what AI can do or are you embracing what AI can do? Yeah, that would be interesting to know. Yeah, and I think that's really one of the big questions right now is what feels like a fair bit driven by fear, I would say, in the last eight weeks about, about what it could do. It feels a little bit like the phonograph experience. Or, and yeah. we've, we've talked briefly about the television as it came in as well. Um, the internet probably had some, maybe I just wasn't in the conversations, but the internet, there was probably yeah. concern. And now with mm -hmm. Chad. Yeah. I think uh, in, in 75 years, all of this hand wringing will look laughable. Just as we look back on these changes that happened 75 years ago from today. Yeah. If, if we are laughing at the AI's horrible jokes as we watch yeah. their AI shows. Right. 
as we grovel at their feet, maybe. So we'll see. Right. Yes. This could go a couple different directions, John. You know this. This is true. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. I look forward to having more conversation. I think, if nothing else, this conversation about ChatGBT helps us to think about what are we about, you know, as universities, as educators. And so that's where I just love the conversation. Wherever this is going, it's good conversation to talk about, um, you know, if your five paragraph essay is your litmus test, whether or not my high school student is educated, then I'm looking in the wrong place here because it's just the wrong assessment for a full education, right? And so I think that's what's helped me and hopefully help other people as this is coming out. It's sparking conversation. And I think it's exciting for just from that standpoint, even if we do get taken over by robots. Yeah, I agree. It's also helping me reflect about what I value as a teacher and what I want my students to learn and how I want them to learn it. I think that's been part of the journey for me too. Yeah, that's good. John, thanks so much for this conversation. This was great. Yeah, absolutely. This was this was a lot of fun and want to make sure that folks listening out there have an opportunity to continue the conversation with us when we're not talking here. A good place to start doing that is over on LinkedIn and our LinkedIn group. It's called Online Learning Podcast. So join our group and tell us what you want to talk about in the future. Absolutely. And as well as you can always find this podcast in our show notes at onlinelearningpodcast.com. That's onlinelearningpodcast.com. I still can't believe we've got that URL, John. So that's pretty cool. And I hope people visit us there. Yeah, it's a good one. So bye for now. Bye for now. See ya.